This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Tech Guide episode 422. Hello and welcome. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. And a big welcome once again to any first time listeners. My name is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, we'll take you through the features and highlights of the iPhone 12. The iPhone 12, of course, is also 5G compatible, so we'll take a deep dive in and explain what that means for customers, and we'll also chat with Telstra's executive of networks, Chana Senavaritne, and we'll also talk about the other product that Apple introduced, the HomePod Mini. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to literally road test the Mate X electric bike. We check out the Bose Quiet Comfort earbuds, and Belkin has released new accessories designed for the iPhone 12. And we'll answer all of your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. <laughs> Well, after a few delays and a long year, uh, Apple has finally revealed the iPhone 12. Normally, it's revealed a month earlier, but 2020 has shown uh, it, it has offered up a fair amount of challenges, and Apple were fairly heavily hit with factory closures and uh, their their whole their whole component and, and, and production really, really hit hard. Their, their supply chain uh, totally, totally disrupted as well. But they have persisted and they've finally unveiled the new iPhone 12. And there are still a few surprises too. Like we, we, we pretty much picked what, was, what we were going to see, but they did still have a few features and a few things uh, up their sleeve that, that, uh, that surprised me at least anyway. The, the iPhone 12, the there were four versions of the phone announced. The iPhone 12 mini, uh, which has a 5.4-inch display. Then there's the iPhone 12, which has a 6.1-inch Super Retina XDR OLED display. Then you've got the iPhone 12 Pro, which also has a 6.1-inch display, but has a, a better finish, stainless steel, like surgical-grade stainless steel and... Slightly better camera, slightly better screen as well. Then you've got the iPhone 12 Pro Max that has a 6.7-inch display. That's the biggest screen Apple has ever put into an iPhone. That's got more than 3.5 million pixels. So uh, a pretty impressive lineup. That's the most, I think, most iPhones that Apple has ever unveiled at once. So that, that's, uh, that's a pretty big deal right there. They're going to be, the first ones go on sale on October 23. And that then the 6.1-inch the models, so the iPhone 12 and the 12 Pro, they're the ones that go on sale uh, October 23, which is, which is the later this week. Then we've got to wait, though, till November 13 for the iPhone 12 mini and the iPhone 12 Pro Max. So the brand-new screen sizes the 5.4 and the 6.7 they are the ones that are going to be released later so the the iphone 12 and 12 pro which have an already familiar 6.1 inch display are being released earlier i think because factories are are used to producing 6.1 inch display for iphones they were the easiest ones to tool up and get ready and produce many more uh many more units on the production line, which is, I think, the reasoning, my my reason anyway, why why they are going to be first. The other thing we've seen too are new colours as well. The iPhone 12 Pro will be available in graphite, silver, gold, and Pacific blue. That that's a new a new colour. And then uh, the iPhone 12 will also be available in blue, in green, product red, white, and black. Uh, so uh, that, that's interesting as well. We're, we're going to see blue seems to be the real buzz colour around these new iPhones. But the thing about the iPhone 2 is that it, uh, the iPhone 12, it has a new design, and that, that's something we picked months or months out, 
that uh, iPhone was going to move away from the curved edges and go back to that more iPad Pro-like design, which I think the last time we saw on an iPhone was when the iPhone 5S was launched back in, I think that was 2013. So it's been a while since they've got this flat design. It, it, it does give it a fresh new look. It, it's, uh, it, it is a nice move away from what has been, let's be honest, pretty much a, a samey-looking iPhone for the last few years. Even when they went from the having a home button to the iPhone 10 with no home button, the, the outside and the back of the phone were basically the same as what we've had, what we've had for years. Uh, on the design side too, you are getting those, the metal band around the outside of the phone, which also acts as its antenna. The, the iPhone 12 has an aluminium band. The iPhone 12 Pro has a stainless steel band. But all the new models, the displays now include a new feature called Ceramic Shield which means the glass is even more resistant to scratches and drops. Uh, And they're saying, and they say this every year, I know, but they're saying it's tougher than any smartphone glass. I'm sure there'll be a few YouTubers on day one uh, buying up the phones, lining up to get these new devices and smashing them on their channels to see whether Ceramic Shield is actually uh, what it's cracked up to be. All the new iPhones also have an IP68 rating, so that means that they are water-resistant and can handle a depth of up to 6 metres for 30 minutes. Not that you're going to do that. I think the the idea of an IP68 rating, with an iPhone at least, is that if you drop a drink or it falls in the toilet or whatever and you pull it out straight away, then chances are your phone's still going to work. That is, though, and this is a story I've written on Tech Guide a while ago, the iPhones, despite having this IP68 rating, water damage is not covered in the warranty. So just be very careful. Despite it having an IP68 rating, don't be flirting with danger. Just, just, just be very, still be very careful with it. 5G obviously is a is another major feature. We're going to talk more about 5G though in the next segment, and also when we chat to Telstra's uh, Chana Senavritne as well. He's the Telstra executive of Network, so he he knows his stuff about 5G. We're going to save that that chat for for the next segment. But uh, the iPhone 12 too has new silicon, the A14 Bionic chip, which has speed bump and increase uh, improve uh, graphics performance as well. It ha- they say the same every year, and it, it does happen every year. It is an incremental increase on, on, on the year before. Uh, and, and again, this is going to deliver not only greater efficiency, so you get better battery life, but also just faster processing power and the abilities that the iPhone uh, c- can generate, including that the machine learning, the neural engine, all of those things that help take, you be- take better photos and help the, the phone perform even better. Uh, that, that's all res- the, the A14 Bionic chip does all that heavy lifting for all those features. On the camera side, the iPhone 12 Pro and Pro Max have the triple camera systems. Now, the, the iPhone, there, there is actually a difference in the, the 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max. The, the 12 and the 12 Mini, by the way, have dual camera set up. And the feature set as well for the 12 Mini and the 12 Pro are identical. The only difference being is the, is the screen size. So if you prefer a smaller phone, it is just as powerful as the iPhone 12. So if you pick the iPhone 12 Mini, which a lot of people will, not everyone wants a gigantic phone, that's got a 5.4-inch display. That is the same performance, same features, same camera quality as the iPhone 12. So the only difference being the screen size and the price, which we'll talk about a little bit later. On the iPhone, the iPhone 12 Pro, though, uh, has a has the triple triple lens system. It has the a telephoto lens, wide angle and ultra wide, and has a They've got a seven-element lens for greater clarity and better performance in low light. That's another key feature. The new night mode uh, has improved to be enable features like time-lapse and uh, you, even the, the front-facing camera has night mode, so you can take portrait shots in night mode as well. But the iPhone uh, 12 Pro Max has some other features that are not included in the Pro, including a new feature called Sensor Shift, which means that its, its optical image stabilisation 
built into the sensor rather than in the lens. I think it's in the lens as well, but the sensor has it as well. So between them, it's just even better optical image stabilization. The 12 Pro is also going to have a feature called Apple Pro RAW, which allows photographers to shoot in RAW. So that's any photographer knows RAW is this massive file size that allows you a lot more leeway when it comes to editing the photograph. A JPEG uh, just doesn't give enough size to the image, to the file, so you can do much editing. But if you shoot in RAW, you've got a lot more options when it comes to uh, creative control and editing. The Pro phones will also be the first seen with the, the feature that was introduced on the iPad Pro, and that's a LiDAR scanner. So that's a, a LiDAR can measure the distance using light, measure the distance from the sensor to a surrounding object, so a nearby object, and that, that, w- that will enable features like augmented reality. So if you've got an augmented reality app, that is really going to be the, uh, going to enhance that experience as well. Now, the big change too, uh, and this was one of the surprises I mentioned at the top, was the MagSafe charging. Now, this is a, a wireless and magnetic charging system that Apple has introduced. MagSafe seems to be unique to Apple. Uh, it does use Qi charging, which is common across all devices that use wireless charging. But MagSafe takes it a step further and magnetically attaches the charger. One problem I've had with wireless charging is the fact that you put your phone on the on the wireless charging mat and you think it's in the right position, you walk away, come back an hour later, and it hasn't charged a bit because it hasn't been positioned right. Normally, you've got to be very careful and see if there's a, a light, there's normally an indicator light to say that it's been placed correctly. So there's a little bit of adjustment there. With MagSafe, it just attaches in the right place, lines up properly, boom, you're charging. And that MagSafe does come in handy for other features, uh, including as a car mount. Now, later on, we're going to talk about the Belkin accessories that uh, that take advantage of MagSafe. We'll talk more about that in that section later on in the review section of the podcast. But uh, MagSafe, a big tick, another cool new feature that Apple's introduced. Now, let's talk about what people may not be happy about here. And that's the fact that you're not getting a charger in the box. Now, we picked that months ago. That, that was that was our call. Pretty common knowledge that that wasn't going to be the case, that there, were, there, were, there was going to be no charger in the box. But they've also doubled down Apple, and they've also not included earphones. Now, I know the, the response I've had since launch last week from readers and listeners is uh, there's a few grumbles about this, and a, a lot of people questioning whether they can still charge their the new iPhone 12, uh, if they were to buy it. And and my simple answer to that was that I think there was a bit of confusion caused here because what Apple is including in the box is not a charging, the little charging brick. They are including a charging cable. But here's where the confusion started because the cable is a USB-C to lightning cable. Now, if you've got an existing charger, then... That c- cable that came with the with the iPhone 12 won't fit into your USB A charging port to connect to the iPhone 12. But if you have been charging an older iPhone, then that your existing setup will still work. So you won't need the cable or the charge or a charger because you've already got one. And the iPhone 12 still has Lightning port. So it's business as usual in terms of charging. I had the same question people asked me about, or well, how am I going to charge my phone in the car? Well, how did you charge your old iPhone in the car? That same method will work. That, that's kind of the point I was trying to make there. Now, in terms of the earphone decision, um, I think they don't have a headphone jack to begin with, and these are wired earphones they normally put in. And I know the wired earphones are normally lightning earphones. But they they are available, I think, on the on the Apple website for about thirty five bucks if you desperately need a pair of earphones. But my guess is that anyone who's going to pony up the money for an iPhone twelve will likely have a pair of wireless earphones, uh, and more like more than likely even the the AirPods or AirPods Pro. Uh, so again, it, it's this 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 move is really uh, played into the accessory accessories market because there will be people looking for chargers, and they may want to buy a USB-C charger, like uh, the, we recently mentioned the Belkin GAN chargers, which is the gallium nitrate chargers, which are a fraction of the size of a regular charger, but charge even faster 
and they are USB-C compatible. So if you were to buy the Belkin GAN charger, which doesn't come with a cable, you can take you can use the iPhone 12 cable from the box, connect it to the Belkin GAN charger, and then charge the iPhone 12 with that. So that that's an outcome as well. But no earphones, no charger. Apple's reasoning is that it was an environmental decision. They didn't want to, A, have to produce them, which would have created a bigger carbon footprint and everything that goes with it also would have cost them money. So it's a huge cost saving for them as well. The other thing too is they wanted to make the box smaller. So not having a charging brick, not having earphones means that the iPhone 12 box is less than half the size as the iPhone 11 box. So Apple is saying that more than that they can fit 70% more boxes in a single shipment and reduce the, the company's footprint even further. Uh, so that, that's, that, that's the reasoning, the environmental reasoning behind that as well. But without earphones and without a charger, you would expect that the iPhone would be cheaper. Now, in many cases, it is. In fact, the iPhone 12 Pro, when compared to the iPhone 11 Pro, is actually cheaper. We compared the prices between the 11, the 12 to the 11 and found that uh, the there was one little thing we found a little strange was that the iPhone 12 mini is the same price as the iPhone 11 was a year ago. But the iPhone 12 mini, as you recall, has got a 5.4-inch screen. So it's a smaller phone at the same price as the 11. Now, Apple may argue that, okay, but it's a 5G device. Uh, but the other counter-argument is then, well, it's still a smaller device. But anyway, the, the iPhone 12 with a 6.1-inch display, the same size as the 4G iPhone released a year earlier, is more expensive than the entry-level 12. So it's $1,349 for the... The, the, the it was thirteen forty nine compared to the eleven ninety nine that the iPhone eleven was released at. But as I said, the iPhone twelve Pro and twelve Pro Max range is cheaper than last year's eleven Pro models and have more memory. So the the example I'll give you is that the iPhone twelve Pro, the one twenty eight gig version, is priced at sixteen ninety nine. So that's one thousand six hundred ninety nine dollars. Last year's iPhone 11 Pro entry level had only 64 gig of memory, and that was $1,749. So you're saving, there's a saving right there. Uh, and it goes all the way up the line. The Pro Max entry level is $1,849 for the 12. Last year, it was $1,899. So that's only $50 saving, but still, it's cheaper. Uh, and if you go all the way to the top end, the iPhone Pro Max 512 gig is $2,369. Last year, the 512 gig iPhone 11 Pro was $2,499. But our investigation took us a little further, and we looked at the older iPhones that are still on sale. And so the iPhone 11, sorry, the iPhone 11 is still is is, is now cheaper. So it, they've come down in price. I think the entry level in iPhone 11 for 64 gig is now 999 dollars. That's down 200 bucks from from last year's model. The iPhone XR is still available. That's 849, which is 64 gig. That's that's 380 dollars down from the price it was a year ago. The iPhone SE has also taken a bit of a price drop as well. That now starts at six seven nine. Uh, that's down from seven forty nine just earlier this year. So if you're not after the iPhone twelve uh, and you want to get an iPhone, the good news is iPhone eleven, iPhone XR, and iPhone SE are all cheaper. But the iPhone twelve Pro though is cheaper than the eleven Pro from last year. So there you have it. There are all the details of the iPhone 12, what we can expect. And uh, they do go on sale this week. And the October 23 for the 6.1-inch models, November 13 for the 5.4 and 6.7 models. If you want to read more about that, we've done some pretty comprehensive reporting on Tech Guide. You can check that story out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Now, the other major, major feature of the iPhone 12 is the fact that it is now 5G. 
And what that's done, it's really increased everyone's awareness of 5G. And the telcos know this. We're about to talk to Telstra's executive of networks, Chana Senavarentne. Uh, we're going to talk to him in a moment. But Optus, Telstra, Vodafone, they're all going after the customers here because a customer who buys an iPhone 12, they'll want to have their 5G iPhone on a reasonable 5G network. It's like you buy a sports car, you want to be able to drive it on a good road and take it for a spin. So in this case, that's exactly what we're going to see. And the telcos, as I said, they're aware of this. They're aware of customers who will be coming to 5G possibly for the first time. Because if you've had an iPhone the whole time, you've never had 5G before. So I know Samsung released their first 5G phone a year and a half ago. And a lot of customers, a lot of Samsung customers, a lot of Android users have a 5G device. Samsung, Huawei, LG, Google, the Pixels are 5G now. So there's no shortage of Android customers. And I've heard from plenty of them, oh, we've had 5G for a year. But that might that's well and good. But the networks a year ago were, were nowhere near what they are today. So the 5G networks, according to Telstra, Telstra got 41% of customers can access 5G. Optus are saying similar things. So between the two of them, it's roughly about half the country can access now 5G, the 5G network. And with the iPhone, that they did have the bloke from Verizon on stage, and, and he said something that may, uh, may have upset other, other uh, phone manufacturers. He said that 5G just got real. And while that might be the case for him and for his customers and for the US, um, it, it, it is actually a, a, a correct statement if you're an iPhone customer because the fact that Apple is now offering 5G has just shot 5G awareness through the roof. Customers know what it is. For a lot of Apple customers, and there are a lot of you guys, 5G is now official because Apple is doing it. And the telcos are more than aware of this. If they had released 5G a year ago, it was too soon. I'm sure Apple, and they said they worked with their telco partners to get to get 5G worked out. And I'm sure that Apple, when they spoke to Telstra and Vodafone, and, and they all knew that a year ago that the iPhone 12 was going to have 5G, and hence the reason why the rollouts have really sort of sped up a bit and to, to accommodate the release of the iPhone 5G. Uh, so five, the 5G we're going to get, though, here's a little, and, and, and Chana will, will explain this a little better. There will be actually two models of the iPhone, one for the US market and one for the rest of the world. Now, in, there are two flavours of 5G. The first flavour is sub-6, which means it operates at 6 gigahertz, and the millimetre wave the, and millimetre wave is the other. At the moment, the rollout is basically sub-6. It offers you wider range and decent speed, whereas millimetre wave offers you faster speeds but shorter range. Telstra have, have come out and said that millimetre wave will form the backbone of their 5G network. So in, in crowded areas like CBD, stadiums, airports, millimetre wave will be deployed. In the suburbs, sub-6 will, will more than make up for, for that demand and serve the customer quite well. But to begin with, the, the Apple model for the US will have millimetre wave for their, for their networks, their partner networks there. But the version we get here in Australia will be a sub-six version of the iPhone 12. But enough of me explaining 5G. Let's talk to the expert now. Hi, Chana. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate your time today. Yeah, good to be on, Stephen. I wanted to chat about 5G seems to be kind of the flavour of the month right now, especially now that Apple's introduced the iPhone 12, it's got 5G. Would you agree that's, that's really sort of put a lot of attention on the 5G networks and the rollout right now? Absolutely, um, Steve, because Australia and Telstra, we, we are very much uh, an Apple market. You know, the majority of our customers use um, Apple phones. So uh, this launch of an iPhone with 5G capability has been very much anticipated. So uh, I think our customers are excited and, and we are obviously excited as well. Yeah, so the I understand there's going to be two models of the iPhone 5, so one for the US market, one for Australia and other parts of the world. Can you explain why why that's necessary? Because Is it, is it because there's a sub-6 version? 
and there's a millimetre wave version. Can you explain that? Sure, sure. So, so the US and the US market launched with uh, the high frequency or millimetre wave, and whereas Australia launched our 5G services with the lower frequency or what's called the sub-6 frequency range. So when Apple released their phones worldwide, they tailor their release to whatever frequency is available in that market. So in the US, the launch is with with a millimeter wave. In Australia, it's with a sub-6. And that's how that launch is occurring. So it's my understanding, though, that sub-6 offers wider range and good speed but millimetre wave has lower range but faster speed. Is that right? That, in a nutshell, yes. So uh, you, you need, you know, typically from a millimetre wave tower in the US, you, you'd only get, you know, a few hundred metres of coverage, but it, it would be typically faster. Whereas uh, with our network at sub-6, you get much three, four times the range. And uh, and because the way we've launched it, you know, we've, we've put our sub-6 on existing towers. And today, for example, in the Telstra network, we already cover, you know, 41% of the population. So that, that's a considerable coverage even at this point in time. And uh, by June of next year, we'll have coverage to 75% of the population, three-quarters of Australia's population will be covered by 5G. And and you are also introducing millimetre wave to some parts of the network, so I'd imagine it'd be in busier areas, it'd be sort of more densely populated with millimetre wave suit, or would the suburbs, would they still have sub-six, or how is it going to work? Yeah, spot on, Steve. So so when millimetre wave gets introduced, and, and the government's going to auction that spectrum next year, what, what we will target initially those really busy areas, like, you know, in the CBD, probably things like stadiums or transport hubs like um, train stations, where you get a yep. lot of people in a small area. We'll put, we'll put millimetre wave there uh, initially, but then, you know, as time goes on, we will we will put millimetre wave in different parts of the suburbs as we require, you know, and, and sub-6 will still be there. And the phones that, that we'll see released will actually work on both sub-6 and millimetre wave. They'll support both. And I suppose when, when we start flying again, I suppose airports, you might put putting it back in airports again, I guess, eh? <laughs> For sure. Yes, right. So in general, though, the rollout seems to be going pretty well. You mentioned 41% now, uh, and this is just Telstra's network. So, And then you're saying, what, 75% by the middle of next year? Is that right? So how soon before we're 100% or 98%, whatever the figure is going to be? But before we, How long before we match 4G even? Uh, look, it'll probably be a few more years before we get to the 4G coverage because, as you can imagine, Australia being the, the, the land it is, you know, each increment of population is much a much bigger area. So, um, you know, so 75% is, is fairly ambitious. And, and look, if, if you look at it even today with 41% population coverage, Steve, if you look at that area and you look at how people move and travel, it actually provides service to about 12 million Australians, you know, where they live, work or pass through on a daily basis. So when we get to 75 that's a that's a pretty good uh, mix in coverage, and and mind you, that is that is not only in the in the big cities; it also covers you know in all our regional centres as well. So today, if you equate that to suburbs, because you know in a, in a COVID period, you know people are now working from home. Uh, even today, that forty one percent coverage is fourteen hundred suburbs have got greater than 50% 5G coverage. Wow. And there's over 2,000 5G sites already in the country. So, so you know, we're, we're getting out there and, and obviously we're not resting. We're, we're really pushing hard uh, this year. And 4G is not going anywhere either. 4G is still getting way faster speeds even than the NBN on 4G. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, 4G, 4G is, is, uh, is a technology that's here to stay for quite some time. And uh, even as we improve 5G, 4G will continue to improve as well. And what about, too, I get a lot of people, a lot of my listeners and readers asking me, look, is 5G an option instead of the NBN? I notice you guys are going to introduce home internet connections by invitation only in, in areas where obviously there's going to be coverage. How, how is 5G yeah. going to be? That, that's kind of going to be a complementary technology to the NBN, isn't it? That's how we see it, Steve. Um, so we'll be introducing, as you said, 5G home internet in selective areas where the uh, MBN performance is probably not as, as fast as we would expect. So we would provide 5G selectively to boost NBN speeds. But at the same time, with, from, with NBN, we're also boosting NBN speeds. You know, we've launched our NBN Superfast and Ultrafast services, you know, which provides to Ultrafast up to 250 megabits per second on, on the NBN fixed line. So, yeah. so we very much see it as a complementary thing. Fantastic. Thank you very much for your time, mate. It's been great chatting to you. Thanks for having me on, Steve.
Well, Apple didn't just announce an iPhone last week. They also announced the HomePod Mini. Now, the HomePod's been around for a little while, and when it came out, it, was, it was, wasn't it was a cheap speaker. It was a high-quality speaker, and and my review, uh, I still stand by it, is, is probably one of the best-sounding speakers I've ever heard. Uh, and it was obviously aimed at that sort of more the audiophile-level listener for $499. Uh, and, it, and it was just hanging in there. I, I'd, I'd seen it on special at the Apple Store and, and at JB Hi-Fi and other places like that would drop in, in price by a couple hundred bucks and on the Apple Store would still remain at 499 But anyway, HomePod, you can judge for yourself the success of that product, but what Apple has done, they've released, they've shrunk it and made it cheaper. The HomePod Mini is uh, going to be priced at $149. Now, it's, it's only 8.5 centimetres tall, but still packs quite a sound because Apple has totally redesigned the audio architecture here. It uses computational audio, so it makes calculations in real time to make the sound the best it can be for wherever it happens to be in your home, uh, and, and at that price, one forty nine, that, that's a that's that's affordable and and a really smart move by Apple because it really puts it right front and center into that huge smart speaker market where other products from companies like Amazon and Google and all these other companies that are producing these affordable speakers. Now Apple's in that mix with their own version. And this is the smart speaker, of course, that will take advantage of Siri. So if you've got an iPhone, if you're in the Apple ecosystem, then you'll be able to take advantage of this, the HomePod Mini, because you know Siri, you've got an Apple product, you probably have several Apple products, as a matter of fact, you may even have Apple TV, 4K, you may even have a pair of AirPods, you may have an iPad. And so this is what this is what the HomePod Mini does, it, it really fits nicely into that ecosystem. Uh, you've got Siri, of course, where you can access your content, but it's also a smart speaker as well. So it is designed to offer the to offer recognition of several voices in the house for a start. So if you've got if you've got a family plan and there's five of you in the home, it'll recognise all the different voices for whenever they make a command through Siri. Uh, there is this three microphone array, so Siri can really hear you easily when you ask to listen to your content or uh, ask to turn things on and off in your home. And what you can do is set up your smart products in inside the HomeKit app. And whatever's in HomeKit, you can ask for through Siri. Uh, you can even set different scenes as well. So you can ask to, you can say, I'm going to bed, and then you've got your scenario where the lights turn off and everything, everything the smart lock closes and everything happens. And you can even say, I'm, oh, good morning, and then all these other things happen, or you, I've just arrived home and all these things happen. So all those things can be triggered with your voice using Siri through the HomePod Mini. Now, there is also a new feature that's called Intercom. And with Intercom, as its name suggests, you can, from one smart speaker, one Siri, uh, sorry, one HomePod Mini, you can announce to other HomePod Minis in your home, either individu- individually or as a group, you can communicate through the speaker. So you may you may be going out on a family outing and someone might say, mum might say, we're leaving in five minutes, everyone be ready, or dinner's ready, come down, wash your hands, get ready, let's have dinner. So you, you can do that to every speaker, every HomePod mini in the house, and HomePod as well, by the way. So existing HomePods will be updated for this feature as well. Or you can target uh, individual uh, home pod minis as well. Inter- intercom also works. Say your your say your child is in their room listening to their AirPods. So intercom will actually come through so they can hear you on their AirPods as well. So that you, you'll interrupt their music and they'll hear your voice through that intercom feature for you to for, for them to come down come down and have dinner or get ready to go out or whatever they need to do, whatever the message happens to be, if you're wearing your AirPods, you'll be able to hear all that as well. Now, the other exciting thing too is that the HomePod Mini can be, uh, like the HomePod itself, it can be combined uh, as a left and right speaker system. So if you buy two of them, and if you, you, you buy two, do the math, it's going to cost you $298. For under 300 bucks for a, a left and right stereo pair HomePod Minis, and you can then use them with your Apple TV 4K, so they can become your little speaker system, your stereo system for your what your your content you're watching on your television, uh, and 
the the whole multi-room setup also works with the existing HomePod, which Apple is still uh, offering, by the way. This doesn't replace HomePod. HomePod Mini is is beside the the HomePod. It, it is another in the category. It does not replace the HomePod. The HomePod original HomePod will still be there. Uh, HomePod Mini is expected to go on sale in mid-November, and. We, we already told you the price. It's going to be $149. If you want to read more about the HomePod Mini, check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, there's been a rapid increase in cybercrime with constant data breaches, online scams and ransomware, just to name a few. Norton's all-in-one cyber safety solution, Norton 360 Premium, now comes with dark web monitoring powered by LifeLock, which helps notify you if your personal information is discovered on the dark web. It also includes device security and secure VPN with bank-grade encryption to help keep you private online, plus a password manager, PC safe cam, and much more. With Norton's award-winning security and globally trusted protection across 50 million customers, rest assured Norton 360 Premium with dark web monitoring is the all-in-one protection for your devices and data. Norton 360 Premium is available now at leading retailers. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Alrighty, kicking off the, the reviews is an electric bike. The Mate X was described to me, they pitched me the this review unit here as being the Tesla of electric bikes. Now, apart from the fact it's electric, I can't see any other similarity to Tesla, by the way. So I don't know whether it's just the market sentiment considers it like a Tesla. I, I can't really put my finger on why they would call it the Tesla of electric bikes. But someone said it, and they're running with it. And I received it, and I've got to say, I quite liked it. Now, just just to let you know up front, this is an electric bike. A lot of people have the wrong impression. I think they mistake them for an electric scooter. So with an electric bike, they have pedals. So it's not without pedals, this is a motorbike uh, or a scooter. But this does have pedals, as does every electric bike. Uh, of this is in the first electric bike of of uh, of reviewed. Uh, and this, this, like the others, offers five levels of assistance. So as you, the harder you pedal, the more help you get from the motor, which is located in the back wheel ax- axle. Uh, so you, you can have up to, from one to five uh, levels of assistance. And as you're facing a hill or uh, some, some part of your route, you can engage, so you can work the gears as well. There's eight, eight, an eight-speed, so it's got a Shimano eight-speed um, s- system on board. So you can work the gears and the pedals and the assistance to get you where you need to be. And the, the, the appeal of that is that you can use an electric bike to, to get you to work, maybe. Like, you may decide, well, rather than riding a regular bike, which is going to take all of your effort, you're going to turn up in a, in a sweat and, in, in like, you've, you've, you've had a workout. An electric bike, though, can let, allow you to complete that journey with all that assistance. So you get the, the you can work the gears and you get the, those five levels of assistance uh, where the motor kicks in and helps you. So the, the best example would be if you're tackling a decent-sized hill, Rather than you having to get up out of your, out of the saddle and, and really pedal hard and, and work the gears and really put all that effort in, you can still pedal and the assistance that the motor delivers then with uh, with that will get you up that hill in no time. Like I, I weigh like a, over 110 kilos and this thing got me up hills that normally were, were quite an effort for me to ride up. I'd have to sort of get up and stand up and pedal and really work it. But with the with the motor on board here, it made it made really light work of it. Uh, speaking of motors, it's got a 250 watt motor. Uh, it's got a 48 watt battery with a 17.5 amp hour capacity, which all adds up to 80 kilometers of range and a top motor speed of 25 kilometers an hour. And it's pretty obvious where the battery goes as well. The, the middle part of the frame where it says mate. That's that's where the battery relies. You can even unfold, uh, unfold. You fold the bike open 
to access the battery. It does fold down, by the way, the bike. Folds down to actually quite a small size so that you could ride it to work, for example, then fold her up and then place it under your desk. Uh, so that, that's how small it can be. Or you might want to go on a train. You might want to carry it on a train or put it in the boot of your car. Whatever you need to do, that's another another good feature that it folds down. Now, in terms of uh, what you get with the bike, of course, it, it at first glance looks like a regular bike. You've got your handlebars, you've got your brakes, you've got uh, your gears. On the left hand, on the left handle is a your controller to turn the bike on, as well as the levels of assistance. There's like a plus button and a minus button to help work for you to work out what level of assistance you want and to make the change. In the middle is a small LCD screen as well. It's built in. Uh, other electric bike I had, it was a BYO screen. So you would use the app and then pair it to the bike and that would become your your little control panel there, your LCD panel, where that would tell you through the app your speed, yeah, your average speed, everything you need to know. But in the case of the Mate X, uh, you get a built-in LCD screen that is just there. So if you want to carry your phone, you've got to carry that elsewhere. Normally, the, the advantage of having your phone as the, uh, as the control, the control panel, the screen, is that you can store it on the handlebars as well. But here, Mate, uh, they, they decide to give you a, the, their, their own screen. Now, the only downside I found was the screen sometimes was hard to read in direct sunlight, and that's really not a thing you want with a bike. You want to be able to see the, those features. Uh, it, it could have done with maybe either a brighter screen or perhaps a slightly different angle where it was positioned. I don't know whether it was just me, but there were times where I thought, I can't even read that screen. It was just too, the reflection off it was just too uh, too great and not bright enough to shine through that. But uh, not a deal breaker. That was only a small issue. didn't happen all the time. Most of the time, we, we were able to easily read the screen and see things like our, our speed, the, the level of ba- the battery level, the time, and our trip computer, so how much we'd gone on that particular trip, our current speed. All of that was right there. The left-hand handlebar also has a blinker and a horn as well. I, I, it makes a really irritating noise too. So uh, the, the on the left handlebar, indicate left, indicate right, and there's also a brake light as well. So you hit the brakes and a light comes on at the back. So you can tell people around you can see exactly where you're going. You can put the indicator on like you're another car on the road. Uh, any, any way you can increase your safety on a bike, uh, I'm all for that. It also has a front light as well that's powered naturally from the battery. So no need to worry about working that one out. It does have the uh, light system front and back. Now, the tyres are massive. They're fat, 20-inch wheels that are 4 inches wide. So these all-terrain tyres can take you wherever you want to go. I rode this through golf courses and through parks and on the road and through puddles and you name it. I took it for, for a spin and I, I shot a video, by the way, so check out my video on Tech Guide as well. It's on my YouTube channel too. So uh, some GoPro action going on there. But uh, again, this is you're not limited to where you could go. If you want to take a shortcut through a golf course or through a park or wherever, then the, the Mate X is up for that because your wheels can handle that. And, and if you just if you do decide to go that way, there's also great front and back suspension. So front and back wheels really take the bumps out of play. Uh, it's a really cool suspension system, so it really smooths out your ride. So the chunky tyres in, uh, in conjunction with the suspension, uh, you're on a winner right there. Uh, there's also a rear rack as well. So if you want to maybe, if you're carrying a bag or you maybe picked up some groceries or something, you can strap them to the back of the, of the bike. There's a little flat rack uh, behind, the, behind the seat. Uh, as well, in case you want to hold some cargo in place, which is pretty good. I already said that it does fold down, which is very handy. Store it under your desk, take it on a train. So all, all good. I really enjoyed this bike. I was sorry to give it back, actually. The colour that I had that was so bright. It was called Burnt Orange, and it was uh, it was unmissable. It was like that high-vis orangey colour that you just cannot miss on the road, which is a good thing when you're riding a bike. Now, how much does it cost, I hear you asking? It's 2000 $699, which for a bike of this quality, I think is pretty reasonable, depending, you know, considering what you get. Available in burnt orange, that's the bright colour that we had. Uh, also in black, white ice, shocking pink, dusty army and jet grey. The Mate X electric bike, uh, it is, uh, it's a very popular thing now. They're all the rage, the electric bikes, because all the major brands are producing versions of electric bikes 
So uh, if you do want a bike for the 21st century that does give you that assistance when you need it, then an electric bike is the go, and you should consider Mate X as your choice. If you want to read our complete review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Righto, our next review are the Bose Quiet Comfort earbuds. And boy, did I love these earphones. These are great Bose. They know their stuff, Bose. They're, in terms of audio quality, noise cancellation, you'd be hard pressed to get something better quality than what Bose produce. I'm a big fan. And these new Quiet Comfort earbuds really deliver on all levels. Audio quality, superb. Noise cancellation, fantastic. It's got active noise cancellation, which comes from the internal and external microphone. So these monitor ambient sounds not only around you, but also inside your ear canal and generate the opposite signals thousands of times per second to cancel that out. Remarkable technology. Uh, they've really nailed that technology and you'd be hard-pressed to find better or of noise cancellation quality than you do with a Bose, with Bose earphones and headphones. The passive noise cancellation comes from the cone-shaped silicon tips and the ear nozzle that shapes itself to your canal, so it creates that nice little seal, so less noise can, can sneak in there. Uh, and that means with the noise cancellation too, you can hear your music better, but you can also control the level of noise cancellation, which is also pretty cool. So uh, I was going to say, if you, when you're listening out for your flight number, not that you're going to be doing that anytime soon, but if someone wants to talk to you or you want to maybe order a coffee, uh, you can turn down the noise cancellation or you can even have full transparency which is another option. So you can still wear the buds, but you can hear everything like you're not wearing the buds at all, like you're not wearing any earphones. So that's great for your coffee or if someone wants to talk to you or whatever. But yeah, and, and when eventually when we fly, you'll be listening out for your flight number, but uh, don't expect to be doing that anytime soon, unless you're flying domestically, of course, domestic flight. But if you're traveling overseas on a long trip, um, which these would be perfect for, by the way, if you're on, on, a, on a long flight, Really, really handy to have this if you're listening to your content on your iPad or whatever. Uh, and the, the, these will last up to six hours is the battery life. And then the case itself gives you another 12 hours. So uh, 18 hours altogether. But well, let's talk about the design. And this is probably the one weakness of the of the Bose. No, not really. It's not fair to call it a weakness. It's it's more. Uh, it's it's not. It's Bose not compromising. I like to I like to think because. They're big. The, anyone who's got wire-free earphones, the companies try to make them as small as they can and try to offer the best sound quality possible. Bose said, no, nah, we're not going to do that. We're going to make them the size we want to make them. And so what, what, you, what we've ended up with is a, a, a sizable earphone that doesn't stick out of your ear too much, but it sticks out way more than any other earphone. And there's like this outer little, there's an outer portion where that's that's where the touch panel is, which I'll talk about in a minute. But then then that's connected to the earbud that goes in your ear, and then there's a little flexible wing that then just grips on the ridge of your ears. And despite it being big, uh, and or bigger, and resting in your ear, it's they're still quite comfortable and really light. I was surprised how light they were, but sits sits in your ears really nicely, and, and it's they're quite comfortable. I thought these are going to fall out of my ear, but they don't. The earbud is at the right angle. The the wing, the flexible wing, comes into play as well and grips onto your ear, and they are actually quite light. Uh, so despite the size that you think, oh, they're going to be heavy and they're going to stick out of my ear too much, they actually don't. So that that's good. So and and as I said, Bose didn't want to have to make the tiny little earphone that means they're going to have to make their driver smaller and the the microphone array smaller. All this technology, they've fitted into this size. This they've sort of stuck to their the size that they had last time. So that that's the only not downside. That's the only feature you need to be mindful of is that these are slightly bigger than other earphones. And as a result, the case is bigger too. It's giant. Of, there's a photo on Tech Guide of, of the Bose case compared to six other cases. It is easily the biggest case. In, in some cases, it's twice as big as other earphone cases. So something else to keep in mind. Uh, small price to pay, though, for the sort of sound quality you get. The sound quality out of these things is remarkable. And what impressed me the most, though, was the fact that what, whatever type of music you're listening to, it sounds great. 
but also the volume you listen to. They've got a technology called Volume Optimized Active EQ, so equalizer technology. So even at a lower volume, you're still getting the punchy bass, you're still getting all the detail. Normally you've got to put, I find anyway, you normally got to turn the earphones up to full volume to be able to appreciate the quality. You have them down a little, even two-thirds or three-quarters volume, and you're missing out. I find that they're not they're not loud enough and not solid enough. Whereas Bose gives you that authoritative sound at all, at all volume levels. It was fascinating. What I noticed too was the bass was slightly deeper too. The bass was slightly bigger, I should say. And and Bose is a sort of a very conservative when it comes to bass. Uh, they, it does have fantastic bass response, but it's not over the top like some other brands. It's normally very conservative. But I think they've jacked it up a touch here. The the Bass sounded a lot better than what I was used to hearing on other Bose headphones and earphones. So whether you whether you're into heavy metal or classic music, whatever, this is the it's going to sound fantastic no matter what you're listening to. Audio quality also carries over to calls as well. We make a lot of phone calls. I do when I'm out and about, and if I've got my earphones on, people call me. I don't take my earphones out. And everyone commented on how clear they were. I did ask them. I said, look, how do I sound? They said, oh, I sound fantastic. And I said, oh, I'm not using the Bose. And that was kind of part of my review to, to be able to hear, to get people telling me if I sounded okay. They sounded fantastic. Now, the reason I sounded good, especially if I was even in outside or in a busy shopping centre or something, uh, was this specially designed microphone array that can actually focus on your voice while at the same time suppressing the other sound around you. It's remarkable technology. I could be, I could be in a busy, busy by the roadside, and all you, all the person on the other end would hear is my voice. It's incredible how that works, and it it does work great with the uh, the Bose Quiet Comfort earbuds here. Uh, I mentioned battery life: six hours, up to twelve hours more in the case. If you need a quick recharge, 15-minute charge will give you two hours of playtime, which is pretty good. If you want to go for a run and you haven't charged the case or the earphones, put them in there, connect your charge, your case to a PowerPoint, and you'll get 15 minutes, two hours of playtime. So great for a gym gym session or you want to go for a run, they'll be ready to rock and roll. Speaking of run, they're IPX6 rated, so that means that they can handle the sweat, they can handle the rain, so no need to worry about uh, about running ducking for cover because these are they can handle the sweat. So if you're going to the gym, if you're going for a run, it can it can handle that. It's IPX4 rating actually, so you can wear them with confidence in the gym, on a run, and in the rain. You can sing in the rain if you want to with the IPX4 rating. Now the price, the Bose Quiet Comfort earbuds, uh, they're available now as well, three hundred and ninety nine ninety five, which if you're a fan of high quality audio, you want the among the best noise cancellation you can get. These is probably the most well-rounded and most versatile earphones you can buy. Uh, I would that is a price well worth paying. The Bose Quiet Comfort earbuds available now, priced at three hundred and ninety-nine ninety-five. And if you want to read our complete review, check it out: techguide.com.au. Belkin have released a new range or announced, they're not available yet, but they've announced, they've revealed their new accessories to be used with the new iPhone 12 mini, the 12 mini Pro, the 12, the Pro Max. They've all take advantage of the MagSafe feature. Now, remember I spoke about that feature, wireless charging with magnetic connection. So offers hands-free convenience, uh, whether you're at your desktop or in your car. Belkin have revealed three new products for the iPhone 12. The first being the three-in-one wireless charger. So you can you've got your MagSafe charger for your phone for the iPhone 12. So it's it, it magnetically attaches. So it's, it sits at an angle just uh, on the stand. Then you've got a little pad charging pad on the base, which is for your your AirPods. And then on the other side, you've got an Apple Watch charger. So all wirelessly charged. There's no need to connect a cable to anything. All wirelessly charging. Your AirPods, your watch, and your iPhone 12. The three-in-one MagSafe wireless charger. It's the Belkin Charge Pro. It's going to be $219.95 and available soon. Uh, not, not long after the release of the iPhone 12s. The other product they've got is the MagSafe Car Vent Mount 
Pro. Now, again, takes advantage of that magnetic connection on the back. Now, this doesn't charge your iPhone 12, but it holds it in place thanks to the magnets from the MagSafe. So this is a car vent mount. So put in your car vent, iPhone sits on top of that, and strong enough to hold your iPhone in place. That was another question people asked. Is the MagSafe strong enough to be used as a car mount? Answer is yes, because that's exactly what Belkin has done. The other product they announced was an ultra-glass screen protector. Uh, yes, there's ceramic shield, but having an extra layer of protection doesn't hurt. It's German-engineered lithium aluminosilicate, LAS for short, which is uh, like tougher than glass. Two times stronger than tempered glass, as a matter of fact, so you get impact and scratch protection. There's also a version that is for privacy, so you get two-way screen privacy. So if your iPhone is viewed from the side, so maybe you're on a train or a plane and someone's trying to catch a sneaky look at your phone, all they'll see is black. So good if you've got sensitive material you don't want anyone to see. The Belkin Ultra Glass, Ultra Glass Privacy Screen Protector is exactly what you need. It's going to be priced from $29.95 to $49.95, depending on the size of your of your iPhone 12. And the car, the MagSafe Car Vent Mount Pro is $54.95, and they'll all be released either on launch day for iPhone 12 or shortly thereafter. If you want to read more about those Belkin products, check them out, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming, your work, your gaming, your video calling and more? And what about if you're doing all of that at once? When you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video curling, video calling, I should say, and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of your house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at netgear.com.au slash best Wi-Fi. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk brought to you by Belkin. We just spoke about their iPhone 12 accessories, so keep an eye out for them. I've actually written about them on Tech Guide. Uh, a question I get asked a lot this week's uh, Help Desk question is, what is the right size TV to buy? I know a lot of people, they do, not everyone wants a, like a 100-inch TV or an 85-inch TV. They want they want a TV that's the right size for their house. Not not the biggest, but the right size. And it's, it's, it's pretty simple little calculation you can do if... If you are sitting a certain distance away, so if you work out your viewing position and then where the TV is going to be, what you do is take that distance, convert it to inches. So say you're sitting 3.4 metres away, that's 133 inches. Divide that by two and you get a rough idea of what's suitable for that. Uh, that, that would probably be the smaller size you should get. So in this case... Half of 133 is 66.5, so you would, would get maybe a 65-inch TV. But that doesn't rule out the fact that you could easily fit in a 75-inch TV there as well because with 4K, and that's kind of the standard now, offering increased resolution, and also 8K offering even more resolution than that, being able to sit closer to a TV is possible because you're not going to see the pixels. The whole idea of working out your screen size too is so, is so that when you're sitting on your lounge or wherever you happen to be viewing the TV, you don't want to have to move your head to see the left and right edges of the TV. If you have to move your head to see the left and right edge, in uh, you, you are sitting too close to the TV or the TV is too big for the room that you're in. So keep that in mind. So if you're working out sort of doing a 4K or 8K calculation on the str- on the screen size, perhaps you could alter that formula. So rather than dividing that, that figure distance from your couch to the TV, rather than dividing that distance by two, maybe, maybe divided by one and a half or 1.4 to give you that approximation. So that would give you the right size TV for your viewing environment so that it's not you're not sitting too close to it. It is the right size TV for your room. And with Australians opting for larger TVs, it's a really good calculation to make because we're looking at now 65 was the, the 
I reckon the older entry sort of median size, I think we're moving now up to 75 inches. And that is our show for this week. Everything we've spoken about on the show, you can find at techguide.com.au. And please get in touch with us, info at techguide.com.au is our email. We want to give a special thanks to to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thank you again for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. (laughs) 